Welcome to Disruption Blueprint with Shannon Spotswood from RFG Advisory. In this podcast, we help advisors grow their net worth, build their businesses, and maximize their independence. We've built an award-winning platform with innovative technology, comprehensive service, and a team of individuals who are experts in their field to serve advisors. Join us for this journey where we explore everything that has to do with running an independent advisor practice as we bring together successful advisors, industry experts, and innovative minds who are on the bleeding edge to challenge the status quo, foster new ideas, and create a path for advisors to unleash their growth potential. Now, on to the show. Disruption Blueprint was previously known as War Room Huddle. Please continue to enjoy this content as you build your practice for the future. Welcome. We are so excited to have you join us for our very first RFG Masterclass for Advisors. This is going to be amazing. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be amazing. Yeah. We, are, we are joined today in our podcast studio yeah. with Zane Terrence. Hey, everybody. Welcome, yeah. Zane. Thank you, Shannon. Um, you all are in for a real treat. Uh, we laughed. We left the coffee cups on the table because <laughs> Zane and I can basically blow the roof off this building with our uh, energies. So we yeah. thought we'd come fully caffeinated right. and bring the heat. Uh, the goal of today is really to be educational in nature and, and provide a tremendous amount of actionable items for advisors. So first up, Zane, I'm going to introduce you to our audience here. You are a managing director at Founders Advisors, headquartered here in Birmingham, Alabama. That's right. And Founders is a middle market boutique investment bank. I, we love our lingo in our yeah. industry, so just everybody is clear of what that means. Middle market investment bank. They focus on companies valued between twenty-five million and three hundred million, and they are a boutique investment bank, which in my mind is really the place to be because it means you have expertise in a certain number of verticals. You're not trying to be all things right. to all people, right. and the verticals that Founders concentrates on. Uh, let's see here. You've got consumer, you've got biz services, you have energy, you have healthcare. Let's see if I can get them all and technology. Technology. Come on. And Zane runs the technology practice for founders. So he's really sitting at the tip of the spear of probably one of the most explosive in terms of growth and one of the most exciting verticals within, within founders. You've been out this for a while. I have, I'm getting old, Shannon. No, you know, no, 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 yeah. no, you're not getting yeah. old, but you've got yeah. a lot of experience under mm. your belt. You, you've worked on just personally leading more than 100 deals over 20 mm. years. You probably put several hundred more on the uh, on the board that you've been a mm. part of. It's been fun, yes, and in, in, in all different structures. It's, it's, it's been a fun ride. And, of course, I was on both sides of the table. Right. You know, I was an owner as well. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think really differenti- differentiates you for this conversation is that in addition to being an investment banker, you're a serial entrepreneur. So you've built a couple companies on your own. You've sold a couple couple companies. Right. You're just like absolutely fearless <laughs> yeah. in terms of disrupting your industry. So you founded, a, a, I think, a really game-changing conference called oh, Silicon you. Y'all. Thank you. Where he's focused on bringing together and really highlighting in the Southeast, holding this in the Southeast, all this incredible talent and companies that are being built here. That's been just a home run for founders. That's that has been huge for us. And thank you for mentioning that, Shannon, because that is for this underserved market in the South. You know, people don't don't know really 
the, the type of talent and software companies that have been built in the deep south. There's a lot of talent, um, and uh, it, that, that has been huge for our business. And if that wasn't enough, founding companies, <clears throat> running you know the technology practice at Founders, you also are a published author. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, you wrote the book, 17 Reasons Your Company is Not Investment Grade and mm -hmm. What to Do About It. We're going to get into this and why you wrote this book later on, but it's just so cool that you mm. took all of that feedback and actually put it on paper to really help your Thank clients you. realize their dream, which is ultimately selling their company or acquiring another company to get bigger. That's right. No, th thank you. And boy, I appreciate this introduction. I'm very, very, very grateful for my mom sending you all this, Shannon, because uh, uh, yeah, you. I, I think you have the highlights and not some of the failures, but well, hardly, no. uh, you know, you also are the father to three. Oh, beautiful I love girls, that. Yes. Three beautiful girls. And I'm going to tell you a sidebar really quick for all the advisors out there, because I think this is so important. I remember the day you came into our office and, you know, the bulk of your wealth is invested mm. in companies and mm. all the businesses that you're building and obviously in, in private equity. And you said it's really important to my wife. It's really important to my wife that I build an investment fund that is earmarked for our daughter's weddings. You are right. She knows as an entrepreneur, that money, I flow between things all the time. She said, Zane, I really want, because wherever you are in your business career, uh, my wife likes really nice Southern weddings. And so, yeah, and, and that wedding fund has grown. Y'all have done an unbelievable job with that wedding fund. Well, yeah. I just think it's yeah. it's important because it speaks to the emotional attachment uh, to what we do as an industry and, and recognizing that even when you're a serial entrepreneur, you still got to have a wedding fund. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so Funny. three girls, his wife, Jamie, is an absolute powerhouse and business owner in her own right. She has one of, uh, I think, one of the most exciting omni-channel content she platforms yes. uh, called Family Savvy. So she's she's built her own business and lucky for all of us at RFG, you are also an RFG board member. One of my favorite roles. Well, Love I it. Being being able to, to, to watch to watch this firm grow the platform for advisors to build a practice. I love it. Love the culture, the team. It's authentic, it's real. Um, and that's what life's about. It it really is. And you know, we'll, we'll save it for another day, but having a high caliber advisory board like we mm. do and the, the time and attention that you all pour into it, that we pour into it, we really would rank it as one of the top three most important things mm. that we've done as a firm is leverage and lean into a, an advisory board that has, you know, talented, amazing people mm. just like you on it. Thank you. All right. So. I bring that up about our board because that really is the genesis of what brought us to this day. So we're sitting in a board meeting and we're talking about just trends in the industry and growth in the industry. And our advisors have had this phenomenal year where oh, they've wow. seen, you know, north of 30 percent growth on average in their practice. And 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 you said during the course of that conversation, one of the greatest opportunities for growth for advisors is working with business owners before the liquidity event. And most advisors really don't have a seat at the table. And I actually wrote it down because you called it, and I love yeah, this. Okay. We should have titled the webinar this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I like this. You, yeah. you called it a honey hole. 
a honey uh, hole for advisors to prospect. Mm. So yeah. here we are. That conversation led to us going back and forth a few times, and we decided we didn't want to just do this as a one-off. We wanted to create a series, of an educational series for advisors. Mm. Uh, so this is welcome. You're our first guest. Thank you. On Love it. RFG Masterclass yeah. for Advisors. And this just isn't for RFG advisors. We're really designing this for advisors in the industry because yeah. we believe very passionately that Iron sharpens iron. We all get better when we level up. Absolutely. And Shannon, I love this. And I've got, I've got to say this um, as a, you know, practice builder myself. You know, most of my companies have had a professional services um, piece of them. And I think finding the right markets where you can differentiate yourself, find that persona to where you can add incredible value. I think that's the difference maker in growing a practice and not. So, so I, I really um, am, am super excited about this uh, group of people that I think your advisors can win with and can differentiate themselves with. Yep, completely agree. All right, so set us up here. You know, let's just first talk about the landscape. Like, right. what are we talking about in terms right. of this opportunity set for advisors? So give us some numbers. Sure. Give us some context about the amount of wealth and what this really looks like. Uh, as as advisors start thinking about this as a you know a niche, I hate to right. even call no, it that. No, but hey, a hey, niche. but the riches are in the niches. So yes, and um, I love data, and God we trust. All others bring data, and so it's it's about the data. This is real, and Shannon, I think we talked about. It. I think we all know there's about 28 million businesses in the United States. Of those businesses, 12 million are owned by baby boomers. And I'm just saying that because this is about life stage. Y'all, these owners, sometimes they, they really do not know what their options are. They built a good operating company, built a business, but they don't know the next season of their life. And a lot of them are spending time with coaches, even spiritual coaches, with their family members, with their wealth managers. And some of them, y'all, this is new wealth. Y'all have the opportunity to get in there. It's not like they're embedded because some of this wealth has been created very quickly. And last year alone, 2021, the year we're in right now, of, of course, a big year because there were some tax concerns, but about $145 billion in liquidity in the U.S. with businesses between zero and probably $200 million. Y'all, our little bitty firm, I mean, I want to be useful to y'all today, so I'm going to be very transparent. This is a safe place. I know y'all yep, are my yep. friends, right? Now, I'm a broker dealer like y'all, so, you know, got to be careful, but I, I can tell you this. Our little bitty firm with 40 professionals, we were looking, we unlocked about 980 million of that. So about a billion of the 145 billion in that space got unlocked. And so we have individuals, families. These are private businesses, right? Of all the companies, about 6,000 publicly traded companies. So these are all private companies had that type of liquidity. And this is, um, this is going to grow because of the baby boomers. There are so many baby boomers. And, and, and again, that, that's the season of their life. So I think this market is huge. The liquidity's there. What do they do with this money? So many owners, when I'm talking to them, they start thinking through this and they go, wait a second, I'm gonna have all this cash that was illiquid. What do I do? You know, and, and the first thing we say is stay rich. Find an advisor to help you stay rich. So unbelievable environment it's gonna grow we think next year it might be down just a little bit but okay 135 billion dollars and so huge opportunity to be there 
and, and I like what you said. It's having a seat at the table. You don't want to be too late. Too late is not a good word. So how can you position yourself as an advisor to be there with that business owner when this liquidity event happens? And, y'all, it's going to happen. And, and these are speeding up because of the optionality. Well, it's interesting. We'll have you've got a whole team of, you know, uh, baby investment bankers cranking out data. But right. I'd love to see the numbers. I mean, 145 billion. You talk about 12 million businesses still owned by baby boomers. I, I mean, this is a 10, 15 year long oh, trend. Oh, oh, it. And, and when I say honey hole, definition of honey hole, if you're a fisherman, it's something you can go back to over and over. We're not talking episodic. Yeah, you can build a practice based on some episodic things. We're talking about sustainable uh, growth here. And that's where we want to talk about investing because it's going to be giving over and over again. And even when these baby boomers, I tell every one of them, you're going to exit. One way or another, you're going to exit. We're all going to die, right? And even if they're transitioning this business to their key team members or their family members, there's so much liquidity because private equity groups and financial investors are doing management buyouts. They're giving the capital to the younger generation to buy out the older generation. So this is happening. It's not like, oh, some people do this. No, they, they all do it if they've built an investment grade company. Right. Right. That's right. The book. Right. That's the book. right. Well, and this is really you know part of that conversation we were having at our board meeting is that it's this huge opportunity. And one of the comments that you said was, it's amazing to you how few financial advisors are included in that conversation before the liquidity event. The advisor's really not showing up at the table until the liquidity event and you've given them this advice, you gotta stay rich. And they're like, all right, all right I, you know, who do I know that's an advisor? This is why we think this is such a critical conversation to be having today. So let's, you know, give some insight for advisors out there about the number one question you are asked by company owners. What do they want to know? Right. And, and, and boy, that's a good question. And it's simple. How much is my company worth? You know, there's so much data out there and, 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 and information, but these business owners way deep down, and this is a personal question. They can't talk about this with their employees. They can't talk about this a lot of time with their family members. They're like, yeah, how much does it work? Dad, Dad, mom, what am I going to get? It's a personal question. And that's the reason as an advisor, if you can get in there and be able to have this conversation, you're at a unique position with them. But it's, is this, is this asset really worth something? Is their first question. And then their second one is, if it is, what do I do to prepare myself to be in a position to take some chips off the table. What do I have to do to qualify for an institutional sale? And that's what we love as bankers, Shannon, because we get involved typically three years before our clients ever transact. But like we always talk about, laugh about whoever educates wins. If we can be at that table and help them understand, here's what you can do to make your company worth more. Here's how you would trade right now. But boy, there's some things you can do that can really move the needle. They are fascinated with this conversation. And Shannon, you have to interrupt me. You know I get on a roll. But the other thing they love about this, it makes them a better company to own and operate. Even if you say, I'm not going to transact for a while, they love having this conversation because they want to be institutional grade. They want to be something everybody wants because who doesn't want a company with more cash flow, more freedom, better culture? So it's a conversation they want to have. They don't have it with many people because um, it's sensitive. 
And can I tell you something? You'd be surprised. I, I think you would. Do you think most owners think their business uh, of, of these kind of companies between 25 million and 300 million private companies that most of them built, you know, yeah. built on their own, right? These some of them, babies. these are their babies. Some have built them and some of them bought them and made them better. But do you think most owners um, think their businesses are worth more than they really are or less? I would guess less. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in that board meeting, you ask, hey, should we really be tracking the wealth as a, as a wealth advisor when you're going through their, their their wealth and their planning? Should you look at their business asset or say, ah, that's kind of who knows? Let's keep it yeah. at zero and figure out if it's up or down. Listen, most of them are conservative and in their minds, they're not giving it as much value as it's actually worth. So that's that's what's going on. Huge opportunity. They want to know. They're curious. They read about it and stuff. And if you can be a resource and you can show them you really care about this, and it is a part of their portfolio yeah. telling you you'll be there to help them prepare, and then you'll get that capital. It's interesting that you said three years, that there's a three-year yeah, ramp. So that's a good way for advisors to kind of frame up. You know, everybody's oftentimes looking for that, like, I need the silver bullet. What's gonna, right. I'm going to buy the software that's going to drop leads in my lap, or I'm going to have the right. you know, automated content, all that stuff, you know, interesting and important. But there is a realization here and a recognition that this is an investment. It is. This is an investment, especially if you start having this conversation, which is why I think your book and why we kind of, you know, this is going to be the swag for this oh, event, man. Thank is you. because it helps advisors start to have that conversation, because that's my next question. So, you're, you're, you've recognized whether it's in your town or in your practice or, mm -hmm. you know, nationally where, what your interest is, this group of potential business owners. Right. And you realize that you're going to have to invest some time in forging the relationships and having the conversations, going on that journey with them to become investment grade. Mm -hmm. What are some questions that advisors could ask their business owners to get the ball rolling on this. So they, Great point. you know, how, how do they, how do they even start? Great point. And, and Shannon, I've had the opportunity and I'm so excited we're doing this because we're going to get more formal in this and do some, do some testing with y'all, but I've had the opportunity to watch some practices across the country, uh, large practices that, that kind of have, have done this. And the good news is too, even though this is a long-term game, you know, it might be two or three years, Right. These these this target market has money to invest right now. So it's not like I mean, two thirds of all the affluent families in the United States are business owners, like we talked about. So so it's not like you're waiting for a liquidity event. So, you know, to, to be able to get some money under management, you're going to be able to win them over and get started. OK, but here's the deal. You need a team. And I've noticed um, in, in you know the RFG advisors, you're really good project managers, quarterbacks, you know how to work with other professionals, estate planners. And remember, 90% of all wealth is in estates, right? right. So, so estate planners, attorneys, CPAs, tax attorneys, bankers, uh, insurance professionals, around these type of transactions, lots of reps and warrants insurance, lot of business. Here's the beauty, Shannon, and what I would do if I were building a wealth management practice, I would have a team of attorneys, uh, CPAs, insurance professionals uh, and, and a banker yep. that, that you're close with because that team can provide so much content to that business owner. You be the quarterback for that business owner then to channel them content about new tax strategies, about you know new approaches to charitable giving. If they have mm -hmm. a give, they want to really mm -hmm. give some of their stock. You be the content funnel. You don't have to be the source of all this content. You need to be the quarterback. Show them you're interested. Now, why do attorneys 
and bankers like me and CPAs, why would we love to equip you as an advisor to help that business owner? Because I want a seat at the table, right? And so it's whoever takes the relational interest to say, I'm going to be the source and the resource for that target market. And then you can truly add value and ask these questions. Have you thought about what your company's worth? Have you looked at, are you aware of all the different options to take a few chips off the table? If you own, you know, $25 million of Amazon stock, you might want to sell 2 million of it. Did you know that really good institutional grade companies in your business, engineering services, manufacturing, you could sell 20% of your business so you could diversify your wealth? Did you know you could do a debt recap? Once you can have that conversation and you're the one that business owner was looking at when they got that um, aha moment, aha moment. Yeah. guess what? You deserve their business. So, Shannon, is, it's what you're worth. Have you thought about these deals? Have you thought about having that much of your wealth in a risky asset and you're concentrating this a lot riskier than Amazon or a publicly traded stock because they're a private company that trades at a higher amplitude than a public. So if you can open that conversation with them, channel them data, every professional like me, we will equip you. We will give you free data. We will do evaluation for them. So help them understand, hey, we're looking at your portfolio but this this private company is a big piece of your portfolio. It's dynamic and it matters. And we care for that, even though we're not charging you a fee on it. We care for that asset. Calling all advisors who want to crush everything. The countdown is on for RFG's Warrior Advisor Conference on October 12th to the 14th, 2022, live and in person at the Westin in Cape Coral, Florida. This is the first of its kind conference for financial advisors who want to crush everything and transform their practices and their mindset with amazing keynotes to take your game to the next level. Tim Tebow, Dom Rosso, Eddie Gallagher. Space is limited to 100 advisors who want to become stronger, more confident, more energized, and more intentional than ever. Go to rfgwc.com to sign up now for Warrior Advisor Conference. I, I love this, and I want to take what you just said and to split it into two parts because this is so interesting. So the first was you touched on the different avenues of liquidity that companies can pursue because oftentimes companies think, my only exit strategy is I'm going to sell 100% of my firm to my biggest competitor. And that scares them to death. Right? They're like, I hate I'm, that guy. I hate that guy. I'm not going to show them my data. How would I ever get through diligence? So they say no. Right. Right. Okay. So what, you know, question one. Okay. What are some different pathways that companies can take to monetize a part of their wealth? Gotcha. There's, there's really four key categories, and they have pros and cons, and there's subcategories in all these. But if you're an investment-grade company, there is so much activity. Y'all, I think the last time I looked at it, 20% of all wealth, y'all are the wealth managers, you know, could talk to you and Rick about this, you know, of high net worth individuals is vested in private companies, yep. right? Yep. Through private equity groups. So there's so much capital available for these, for these business owners. So the first way is a debt recap. If you've got good EBITDA, you can go borrow money, take that money out of your business, and the business pays for the debt, right? And you can reinvest that in 
your stock portfolio, apartment complexes, get diversified. I mean, it is very scary. Oh, and by the way, of these self of these self-employed business owners, guess how much of their wealth is typically tied up in their business? If if they got a market valuation, oh. not a fine. Guess how much of their wealth? 90%. 90% of their wealth because some of them have, you know, 2 million, 3 million. Maybe they've had a good little business grow, but literally I watch it because they pay payroll. They've done all this stuff. Like me as a, if I, I mean, I always tried to keep my retirement separate that I can never touch because as an entrepreneur, I'll go back and get that money. I got a good deal. I'm a riverboat gambler. And so I'd end up not and just like the wedding fund. My wife knew we had retirement that I said, I'm going to be okay in retirement, but I risk and my money's not liquid. Right. But you now when you get my age, I start saying, okay, this is scary, but y'all, They've got it's. They got to know this. So, um, debt recap. So, so yeah, d- debt recap. Minority recap. There's all kinds of ways people will come. People say, well, if you get a mon- if you sell less than fifty percent of your business, what we call a non-control sale, little less valuation. But we say, wait a second, they're going to want to put that on the balance sheet. Those investors, so you'll invest it in your company. Wrong. If you've got a nice business, they will buy literally all that in secondary funds. You know. Primary funds going to the balance sheet, secondary going to the owners. They will buy 10%, 20% of your business. And we've got investors all over the world. And about 19% of our deals last year were foreign deals. We've got capital all over the world coming to the United States right now because of rule of law. They can do it. So they can sell 20% just like they can sell 20% of their Amazon holdings. They had no clue that was possible. The third option is probably we see happening more and more um, is a majority recap. This is where you have your cake and eat it too. You could sell Anything over majority, 55, 60, 70, but you still can hold this other piece. Y'all, this is so important for advisors. The second bite of the apple is typically bigger than the first bite. In the 100 deals I've done, I've already had the blessing of seeing about 70 of those have their second bite of the apple. And guess what's happening with the second bite nowadays? It's getting sooner. It used to be five years, six years, because the private equity investor wanted redemption rights so they could return their capital to Harvard's Endowment Fund or Metropolitan Life. Now that second bite is happening sooner. My average, the last three years, the second bite of the roll, let's say I sold 60% of my $100 million company, so I got $30 million liquidity. I kept 40%. The average I've seen return on invested capital of their role is 4.7 times. So then they have another lick, okay? And they need advisors to say, okay, I got another liquidity event coming. And the financial advisors that I see that are working with their clients that still own some of their company with private equity, they're managing that mark-to-market valuation every year. They're thinking about it. They're planning. They're planning for their, their trust. The money, and I'm telling you, the financial advisor is the one that should be quarterbacking this. The banker comes in at the transaction. The attorney comes in to memorialize it. So, Shannon, that's the that's the third one, yep. majority recap. And the fourth one is, is an outright sale. Right. You can sell 100% of it, and there's all kinds of ways to get paid, cash, stock. Guess what? I've seen – I just saw this. One of my clients got about 20% in a publicly traded stock. Well, don't they need a financial advisor to say, wait a second, you've got this stock. You've got a collar for six months. Let's really manage this. Do we need to hedge against it with some options? What do we do when it comes to one sell part of How do they do this without a river guide? And that's where they don't know what they don't know. But if you're at the table, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I have seen basic little Bubba businesses and Bubbette businesses produce hundreds of millions of dollars in liquidity 
over a five or 10 year period. And the financial advisor that's at the table is the quarterback for every bit of that. Sorry, I took so long, but I love this. Okay. So the second part of my question, you started touching on it, which I think is really interesting and important and, and, and reinforces this, this message of diversification is how do financial advisors approach building the financial plan for these clients because you're you know they kind of want to ooh like you've got this big asset we're not going right. to really touch it we're just going to put it it's just option it's just option value we're going to put it as zero in your financial maybe plan. it happens one day maybe yeah. it happens right okay and and maybe this is me because I am one of these business owners right I have the psyche when somebody comes to me and says no we're going to take care of this asset. We, we care about this. Let's care and feed for this thing. Let's understand what it's worth. Let's don't just say, well, I don't know. I mean, we can, there's actual ways to understand in your industry and how, your size. A banker like us, if we're in that industry, we can give you some valuation ranges that are conservative, financial valuations. And then, hey, if you do a market process, it could be twice that. You need to approach that and say, no, we are going to help you value that. Put some kind of discounted value to it. We're going to help you value it. And more importantly, steward it. Y'all steward all the investments I have in the stock market. But who is helping them think through all the macro things that are happening that could affect their industry, their business? And with the right team, with the advisor, the advisor could be the funnel of all the content to say, hey, there's a roll-up going on in your space right now. So I, I think you have to address this, and it automatically differentiates you with, from other financial advisors. Oh, that's not, you know, I don't know about that. Let's just leave it over to the side. No. This is a huge piece. We care. Even though I'm not getting paid for it, I care about it. And I'm going to have you positioned, Shannon. And they value that. It's, I mean, it really is. I was thinking about, you know, I'm an advisor. It's a white sheet of paper. How do I start, you know, thinking mm-hmm. about this, having this conversation with my business owner clients or even prospects? Right. And I, the, the first thing that popped into, into my mind is like a simple SWOT analysis. Yes. Sit yes. down with these companies and just do a simple SWOT analysis because mm-hmm. it starts your wheels spinning. And what I think is important for advisors, and I can say this as the president of RFG, mm-hmm. you get so head down in your business. Yeah. You get so head down on the day-to-day of running your company and thinking about your employees and building and your mm-hmm. goals and your growth and your board and that you, you just don't have the perspective. The blinders are you on. Don't. Absolutely. And it's not until someone comes to you at the table and is like, no, we need to be proactive about thinking about the optionality on this business, about the diversification of your portfolio. This is a natural. It is a natural. It is a hook. And again, as a hound of God, like I am a salesperson, I want to add value to every conversation. I'm going to tell you, this is what they're interested in. And even if you get a little pushback, "Eh, I don't know, I don't want to count. Say no. You know, we care about this asset because it's huge. And guess what else you can give them? The wonderful sales thing, hope. You can say, I see value in your baby. I work with a set of people that every day we see value. You have got a lot of value here. We need to really do some work here to understand because this is for real. You know, these these businesses are worth a well, lot. And I hope everybody caught it because it's one of my favorite sayings of yours. Right. Hound of God. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm a, hey, when I started with IBM as a sales centric company, I do not apologize for believing in something and evangelizing it. And I'm going to speak it from the mountaintops. If your client needs to hear this, there is so much value add. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is what's so exciting. This isn't gimmicky. It's not. Oh, I'm trying. This is 
unbelievable generational wealth matters. And do you know how many people, Shannon, I see that goof up here? Their private company, they mess up. They, right. They're not prepared. And, and $25, $50 million of value just vanishes. vanishes. It literally vanishes because maybe they don't have the right succession plan. Yeah. Maybe they just haven't thought through, wait a second, have I documented my processes that show how I make cash flow? It's, it's simple, but it is powerful. So, again, honey hole, focus on it, have conversations with them, um, give them hope. And, and talk about their baby because, again, we got to remember this. Most business owners, he's and she's, love the fact that this is their baby. They built it. It has their DNA. It has their blood. It has a life. It is not just like a – Show up. Punch the it, Exactly. And when you give it legitimacy by saying it is important, it is your DNA, but it also – that's what makes it valuable. Right. So. Right. We had a great question just uh, come in from the audience, which I think is, is a really valid point. All right, this all sounds amazing, mm -hmm. but how, as a financial advisor, do I forge a relationship with an investment banker? How do I Okay, oh, banks? good. Okay, good, good, good. And, and I've got some examples of this, y'all, because I didn't really understand this, but I had one seek me out one time from Goldman okay. Sachs. Okay. And Matt, who is now an investment banker, so I don't want to talk about this. He's moved to my industry, but- <laughs> He sought me out. He decided to focus on his prospecting. And they had to think they had to have 10 million in a minimum investable income. He decided to focus on digital media entrepreneurs, internet entrepreneurs. Okay. They were kind of young, tatted up. And he found me as a specialist in that space. He said, Zane, I'm, here's what I'm doing. It's what I mine every day, this territory. He called me. He said, I'd like to partner with you. I'll get you in these things early to help value them if you'll give me some upfront education. So he came after me. And I thought, man, I got another person out there being an evangelist for me. I will support Matt with everything I could possibly give him to add value to his clients. So any investment banker worth their salt, and you almost say this, in niches, go to niche you're interested in. If you like building materials, if you like uh, restaurant concepts, manufacturing, get you a niche or two because niches are important. Physicians, y'all, can I tell you something? We're selling physician practices like candy right now candy because they're they built practice they used to couldn't sell now they're seeing they have value find you a niche hey i help physicians it gives you a differentiator find a banker that does that there's not one of them that's not going to partner with you because you're an additional resource for them to be out in the market speaking to it so any banker worth their salt in a niche if you're an advisor and you're hungry they're going to work with you all day, every day to give you data because you're out there bringing value, doing seminars. You said this, like webinars, content, Silicon Y'all built my practice, an event that became an elite retreat and it had a brand bigger than it really even was. People wanted to come and, and then birds of a feather flock together and then you get more people. And they say, oh, boy, that person was in there. Well, that person came to your event and they sold their company. So investment bankers are going to want to partner with financial advisors it is a match made in heaven if ever two professionals are teed up it is an investment banker with private companies and a financial advisor we do not step on each other's toes right you're fine if we have a big liquidity event <laughs> we love your people coming to us and we'll unlock all this value for you to put it in your you know under management yeah. so it's a match and i cannot figure out why? And I think this is a secret. And again, we're yeah. starting to develop this. Why this isn't absolutely a thoughtful strategy with every practice builder. Well, that's what we're trying to do. Good. Today. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I like it.
I mean, it, you know, hearing you talk about it, it feels, and you know, I got to wear my hat a lot, many chapters ago as an investment banker at a, at a boutique investment yeah. bank. And I think that's why it was so important. Your perspective is so important because it's not as if we're sitting here saying, okay, you need to go forge a relationship with Morgan Stanley. No, 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 no. I mean, there are boutique investment banks yes. on all kinds of different yes. hyper specialties all over the country. Yes. In, in, in regions and the geography and hyperspecialty. That's it, Shannon. And that's where you're going to get focus. It's where you're going to get uh, momentum. You know, I say our two best friends are right. Mo and Menem. Because <laughs> once you do a deal together, once I refer you, you referred me one, and then it comes back and there's $30 million and then you're with them forever, then we're like, giddy up. Let's do it again. Yeah. And so you can have, I, I, I recommend like a monthly call. You check in. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm talking to. Can you help me here? But I, I think there are so many niche bankers like us. Uh, I, I, I think it's something you could do immediately. I can't imagine any banker pushing back. Right. How difficult do you think it would be for a financial advisor if they really get focused? And, and I love the idea. Let's take something we all know, like restaurant franchises. Mm-hmm. Talk about wealth creation oh. in this country. Oh. Like it's oh. crazy. All right. So I'm a financial advisor. I'm interested in franchises and I start doing research. How difficult is it for the advisor to start reading that and amassing that information to a way that would make sense for them to have a content strategy that then they could start pushing out to prospects. Like, how do they do that? Yeah, great point. I, I don't, I think there's so much good data. I mean, just, you know, with the internet, this stuff, there is so much good data on every industry where an advisor, the way an advisor thinks as a people helper, they could get the data in the context of the industry and the trends, what's going on to where you could absolutely develop some core messaging around your industry to position yourself as this expert. And so I don't think it's that hard. And basically the fundamentals, don't worry about repackaging something. My silly book is bringing me, y'all, if I can tell this family talk on a (laughs) webinar, people that just read that and, and they now have a simple framework that every banker knows is common sense, have a barrier to entry. Have higher competitive margins, have a culture that you can really differentiate. But when you put it in context and you put that cookie on the bottom shelf and you let people digest it, it's magic. And so I don't think it's this hard retraining. I think you need to be intellectually curious about an industry, truly like those kind of people in that industry, and then go out there and make a difference. And just to be able to say, hey, I'm a financial advisor. I specialize with uh, surgeons that – you know, I specialize with surgeons and a lot of them we're helping. We're seeing liquidity events all along the way, you know, handing it over to their younger partners that right there. OK, right. I'll have a conversation with you. Yep. And the point is yep. having the right conversation with the right people. So, Shannon, I think they're equipped to do that with a little thought, a little preparation. I think you could get yourself equipped to do that by industry. And, you know, a little plug for our industry, because I think this is something advisors would be familiar with. You know, this is what Dave DeVoe with DeVoe and Associates has really done for all of us, right? He takes the time to aggregate all this deal activity and really package it up. So advisors, which we have a succession crisis in our industry, right? So average age of a financial advisor is 62, 63, 64 years old. We have been stuck. I, I've now, you know, lapping my sixth year uh, yeah. on this side of the business. Yeah. 
for six years at 15% have wow. structured a succession plan. We continue to have a succession crisis. Perfect example. And so Dave has really you know, taken that. our industry and become the expert. Now, granted, he's an investment banker, right. so he does more what you do. But I think it's an example of when you seek out the information, whether it's restaurant franchises or surgeons or you know, whatever fill in niche. the blank, yeah. whatever niche, like the data is there and people just need it to be packaged up for them so That's they right. can start digesting it. That's right. And I, I mean, you and I have such a simpatico on this, yeah. like he who or she who brings me knowledge. I'm like, going to do business with you. I'm going to do business with and, you. And, 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 to be, and to be honest, and I probably had a chip on my shoulder about this, as an advisor, when you educate a client, if they don't do business with you, you know, I kind of take offense sometimes. Right. Like, wait a second. We did all the education, all the training. You know what I'm saying? Unless yeah. there's a real reason that you just didn't, you know, and if it's your uncle you need to do business with, just tell me that up front. But I'm telling you, most people understand as if advisor educates me, spends the time and energy, they're an expert in my space, I'm going to reward you with my business. Yeah. You know, it's a little sidebar plug. Mm -hmm. Our uh, our next master class for uh, advisors is with Daniel Crosby talking about behavioral finance. So that is the principle of reciprocity. I love it. It's, it's so there. It's, it's there. there. It's there. And, and if you can let, even if they're, if you can give them this data and these gifts and every time you're full of useful data, say, I want to be useful. That's going to feed their, their psyche. It's like, man, they've worked hard. I'm at least going to give them 15 million of this 30 million. Yeah. You know, yeah. seriously. All right, so we're getting a okay. bunch of questions because we've um, we've referenced the book a few times. So, so again, seventeen reasons your company is not investment grade and what to do about it. You mentioned that you wrote this book, really helping uh, companies on that path over a three-year period become prepared, become professionalized, institutionalized, get ready for the right. sale. All right, so tell us about this, like. Yeah. What you know, advisors are going to get this as part of the seminar. Yeah. How could they use your book as a resource? Why did you create it? What do you think is the golden nugget that's in it? Thank there? you for that question. It's one of the hardest things I ever did is finish <laughs> this book. I said I was going to do it, and then man, I, I struggled. I mean, it was it was hard. But here's why I did it. One day, I was working with a family, husband and wife, own a business. Their oldest son was now running it. They had a daughter that was married to an OBGYN, and then a younger son that um, had been in and out of drug rehab. Yeah. And they came in try to get them uh, to figure out, okay, what are we going to do with this business? The older son wanted it, but he didn't have the money to buy it. The other two kids wanted to make sure it was in their trust fund, and mom wanted to protect Thanksgiving. I went in, and we did the homework and found out, oh, no, this company's making $7 million a year in EBITDA, and it's not sellable because of the risk profile, the customer concentration. We had to go in and tell this family, everybody, Keep the business, work very hard in it as a cash cow, take that money and give it to your wealth manager and put it in apartment complexes because your business has no terminal value. Wow. At that day, I said, I'm going to write this in the negative sense. This is the reason you're, you might be believing a lie that your company is your retirement, that you're going to get this big check. So, Shannon, I wanted to write it to give a simple framework where you could ask yourself questions. Am I investment grade? And, and these are just pattern recognition after sitting in thousands of management meetings with private equity firms, strategic buyers, with business owners, looking at patterns and saying, you know what, this barrier to entry is important. If anybody can come in your industry and start a business and just hire your salesperson, your company's not worth anything. So maximize cash. So I wrote it because I have a passion for entrepreneurs to know this and also to give hope to people. Like I said, I have built an institutional great company. 
I had no idea somebody would pay me for my processes, my systems, and my cultures $50 million. So that's the reason I wrote it. And I'm going to tell you, y'all, as a, as, a, as a product of this, at my age, I did it. Can I tell you the leads I get from this? It's crazy. And it's simple. Uh, you know, you read it, you'll say, thank you, Captain Obvious. But guess what? <laughs> I wrote it down and I packaged it. So thank you. And, and that's what I think you're yeah. doing. Packaging and presentation creates value. So as a practice builder, your advisory firm, the way you package your message to your persona, your target market, which I'm making a strong case, I think, you are too, is the business owner is the difference in building a massive practice or not, I think. All right, so what would be, you know, of the 17 reasons, is it barrier to entry or what's one of the 17 reasons? It's right. just like, and it just comes hits, out. It just all right. hits companies in I'm the gut. I'm just going to say it. it hits me in the gut, <laughs> and it hits me in the gut because the business we're in and the business y'all are in, you ought to do a backflip. All revenue is not created equal. People say, what will my company trade for? Multiple EBITDA, multiple revenue, multiple of gross margin, none of the above. It's going to trade for a multiple of each of your revenue streams. And if those revenue streams are one time, like I'm a contractor, I build a building, those aren't worth much. If they're reoccurring and you can prove, like with your clients, it's sticky, they pay you to manage this money, that revenue stream is worth six, seven, eight, nine, ten times more than a one-time revenue stream. So it is Say that one more time because everybody on this call is a financial advisor. Financial so advisor. We, we Y'all got recurring revenue, y'all. We you take it out of the account to manage the money. It just happens like Netflix, like a utility. Other companies get paid for projects. That's not worth much. People say, what does a contractor trade for three times EBITDA, barely, and a software company. company trades for 15 times revenue and they're not profitable because of the nature of that recurring revenue and high margin once you get that customer, that's high margin repeatability. So the number one thing is the nature of your revenue streams. How predictable are they? What are the gross margins? Do they keep on happening? Do you have a high net promoter score where people don't churn? And that's the reason y'all's business model as an advisor, when you go capture a good client and you keep them happy, that's worth a fortune. That was good stuff, y'all. That, that I'm was sorry. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's yeah. fun because it, you know, you've obviously been on this journey of building RFG 2.0, and that's oh, really y'all done it. It just sits at the core. We believe so passionately in creating enterprise value for advisors because they have this really desirable business model. And, and, and Shannon, stop right there because the I have so loved being on this journey because y'all built a 17 reasons platform for advisors to come on with this unbelievable business model to bring on clients, keep them happy, serve them, have innovation with tech. Tech's one of the things, right? You've got to have tech. You have built this, and y'all can have confidence. Advisors can have confidence that you're building your house in a neighborhood that's a 17 Reasons neighborhood. You've got something of value. There is lasting value in these practices. I mean, this is why this, you know, this topic, it, it really does. This is why this topic is so exciting is yeah. that you think about as an advisor, positioning yourself with business owners, coming up that learning curve, cool. really becoming comfortable and conversant in talking with business owners. I love that just as, as even a stepping stone to ignite the conversation. What are the sources of 
your revenue. Yes. People, love, uh, people love their children. They'll talk about their kids all day long. I'll That's talk right. about my three kids all day long. That's right. People love their companies like their children. They will baby. talk about them all day long. You want to talk about RFG? Call me. Yeah. I'll talk about all <laughs> That's day right. long. That's right. So you get, you know, you get these conversations when you're prospecting yes. with business owners. Get into the weeds on this. Don't be afraid of it. No. Talk to me about your company. And Talk Shannon, to me about the source we of all know this as good business developers. It's a Hands conversation. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a conversation. If y'all can be in the conversation and they the more they learn about you, about the advisor, about RFG, you're going to win them. Or the key any is, advisor, not even RFG, just any stay advisor. Stay in the conversation. And the goal of that, whatever you're trying to do, date somebody or whatever, is talk about them. Right. Talk about something that's interesting to them, children, business. And you've got a topic with business owners they're interested in. They can't talk about it with many people. They're curious. It is the topic. Yep. Stay on it. Yeah. All right. So we're going to break a little news here. Okay. Good. Talk to us about the tool, the new valuation oh, tool okay. that you've been working on for, because I think this will be a long know, time. This this is a it's been in your lab and your creative yes. lab for a long time. Yes. The you know we're we're really excited about what this could mean for advisors. So I, I, share. I love it and 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 Shannon, I'm thinking just as we're talking because this is all new, right? Right. This is um, brand new. This could be something news. we could we could do together. Um, trying to drink my own Kool Aid and say, okay, how do we provide the content to these business owners when we're at the table when they're ready? Over and over, people say, help me, help me. Uh, how much how do we company do? Yeah, how much company work? Hey, could you give us consulting? Could you? And we're not in a position to do consulting very easily, right? Uh, way before making my company you better. you got to eat every day. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't want to give that away to some other person that does that that might have another banker, right? And, oh, and here's the beautiful news, too. Let me say this because I wanted to say this. When you as an advisor, we talked about have a relationship with a banker. Anytime you bring that banker in a deal, they put in their, you know, obviously in their deal cloud, their salesman. Yeah. This is where I got that lead. Yep. Rick yep. brought me two very good leads recently. Yep. Guess whose name's next to that? Do you think they'll ever know there's anybody else besides, you know, for tax, for estate planning than y'all? No, that would be that would be terrible, right? So just know anytime you bring any of these banks to lead, your name's on it for liquidity. Nobody else is going to get in there. Right. They're going to nurture it for you. So I needed a way to nurture this. People were saying, help me. So we invested a lot of money, and it's taken us a while, yeah. about three years. But we just announced our latest version of an assessment, and it's based on the framework of my business, uh, of my book, that, you know, give me a quick assessment that's hard-hitting, that we can quickly take your blood, just like your doctor says, here's your lipids, here's your cholesterol, here's the size of your lipids, all this compared to other 56-year-old white guys in the United States. We've developed this. By industry. And so right now wow. we've got four industries, and some of them like manufacturing is yeah. a broad industry. Restaurants, you know, yeah. four wall economics. We got, we got, of course, SaaS companies. We're doing it for business services, physician practices, some of these hot areas where that person can sit down, it takes about 25 minutes, but it's a branching technology. We had software engineers build it with all our data yeah. about there, and it will come back, give them a prescriptive report that says here are the areas you grade well against your cohort yeah here are the areas you don't Not grade so well great. and here's some advice so it's a prescriptive report but guess what it's for a conversation right so i'll come and say hey I, you take this assessment and i was going to charge for it because when you charge for stuff people take it seriously but y'all the more we've seen this for an advisor and my you know to sit down with a business and say hey let's walk through this yeah 
Unbelievable. So that's what we're doing. And it's, and it's, it's really uh, uh, the value assessment to say, what, what do you need to work on? What are the enhancers, detractors? Are you investment grade? Right. And gives them actionable to do's like your net promoter score all those things we talk about and like devoe could do it for y'all he could build the perfect assessment that you could tell really quickly is this i think he does that yeah i'm I'm sure he does (laughs) he he ought to so anyway that's what it is charges for it yeah 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 well maybe 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 but hey but thank but thank you for for asking about that i mean that's the reason we did it to have that conversation really really exciting yeah and, you know, I'm going to give a plug. And this is, like, so fortuitous on the heels of this conversation. And we'll also archive this along with this, which you guys are preparing to have a, uh, a webinar here December 8th. So just, you know, just about a week away, titled Preparing Your Business for a Sale. So this is going to be led by bankers at your firm. Sorry. You're going to hit on these verticals. It dovetails into this assessment tool. So, again, yep. preparing your business for a sale. We'll share that. Awesome. information Thank with you, everyone Shannon. but it's just you know it really is knitting to it's such a unique time i mean do you think in your 20 plus years as an investment banker there has ever been a richer time in not. the industry for liquidity creation? I, I, I do not there, there, there's so much capital there's so many private equity firms there's so many people coming downstream to invest money in smaller companies and then owners are getting more educated to the options it is a true honey hole and it's not just one year right we have got i believe 15 20 years and it's the baby boomers it's the wealth it's what's going on in the spaces it's the roll-up mentality to create value by investors it's the private equity allocation that people are having to put their money in private companies y'all it is the i believe the perfect situation and i also think there's an interesting like sidebar trend to all that which is people are looking at the public markets and feeling increasingly like there's a disconnect and it's is it overvalued overvalued? what's going on there so i feel like there you know that that is going to continue to fuel this appetite for investing in private companies it is this is the demand is is, there this is lightning in a bottle it it, it is absolutely right and all you need if there's an investment grade company there are so many options for that owner make sure they understand it all right. Um, so we've got one one great, another great question, and it's just talking about you know niches. Is there any work that's been done specifically around logistics? Oh, great point. Well, logistics um, is is a tech enabled services business. <laughs> so absolutely, the technology around uh, bro- uh, brokers, shipping brokers, is unbelievable, and even trucking companies, even physical less than load trucks. And full load trucks, that that is absolutely an unbelievable niche. I don't have an assessment for it yet, but that is a hot, hot niche with a lot of data. Yeah. And, and, and and our bankers can provide that. We subscribe to so much. Like if you have an advisor that wants to talk to a banker and get some data, we'd be glad Let's to do, do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Great question. All right. We're coming up on the end of an hour. I mean, it yeah. flies by. Oh, good gracious. We could literally do this all day good long. Good gracious. Like this was fun topics. to me. Yeah. All right. So we always, we're going to end every RFG masterclass for advisors with, an actionable item for today. You walk away from this webinar. Mm. What is the number one thing an advisor should do? I think you should find a M&A advisor, an investment banker that you can build a relationship with. I would start by doing that because that's where good things happen. There you have it. Zane, thank you so much. Thank you, Shannon. You're fun. You're fun. I can't imagine a better way to kick off this new education series, 
RFG Masterclass for advisors. We've got the next two already teed up. So we'll have Daniel Crosby on January the 12th here in the podcast studio. New year, new you talking about behavioral finance. And then in March, February or March, we're working on dates. It is going to be a powerhouse of marketing advisor marketing. So Kelly Waltrich, she is obviously wealthmanagement.com chief marketing officer of the year when she was at Orion. That woman knows the ins and outs. She's been at InvestNet. She obviously has now started her own company intentionally. And then Tina Powell, who is the CEO founder of C-Suite Social Media and behind all the great work that RFG does in social media. So we're going to have a little Pow wow. We're going to have a girls pow wow (laughs) power chat about marketing. So we've got a lot planned for 2021. I really, truly thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Shannon. We love RFG and y'all go build amazing practices. Thank you. Thank you you for listening to the Disruption Blueprint podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rfgadvisory.com or schedule a call on our advisor resources page. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific training strategy. Information here may be provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither our guests nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of our guest. They do not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, its employees, or its clients. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, LLC, RFG Advisory or RFG, a registered investment advisor. Private client services and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG Advisory is an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of RFG by the Commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.